This is the Woke Daisy. Welcome back to the 12 Days of TWD. We hope you've been enjoying our holiday journey and all of our extra content. One of the funniest stories that I shared on the very first episode of The Woke Thesey is one that I've actually been thinking a lot about lately. We were talking about dating, and I had mentioned a guy I'd met on a dating app who wanted to be tickle-tortured until he couldn't handle it, as in being chained to a pipe in the bathroom and tickled and tortured and left there in his misery. He was affectionately called the Tickle Monster by a number of listeners. Side note, in a funny twist, another listener mentioned going on a date with him and that there's a number of girls who have been asked the same thing by him, and they've all turned him down because of his tickling fetish. And as funny as the story is, and it's one for the books, there are definitely some really disturbing tones that run through it. Let me explain. So this guy was really friendly and flirty, attractive, and sweet at first. We talked on the phone a couple times. All was going well. When he mentioned the tickling thing, I thought it was flirtatious. I went along with it in a text exchange that felt a little bit uncomfortable, but seemed pretty harmless. At the time, I was under the impression that it was a cutesy tickling and maybe some sexy fun, the way couples do when they're just being silly with each other and getting used to one another and being... I don't know, coupley. And I didn't realize that he wanted me to physically cause pain for him and leave him be. Not flirtatious, but on a quest for being tortured. For real. He stopped talking to me for a long time, a year or two, and then he messaged again. And then he disappeared. And then he showed up again with the hopes that I was single. When we started speaking for like a day or two, he was sweet again. And unluckily for him, I'd actually found my voice in the previous two years. When he tried to broach the whole tickling thing again and torturing him... I told him I wasn't really down to torture someone without any ultimate gratification for both of us. It is not my thing. I told him he was nice, but maybe he'd find someone who'd be more open to that. There, I finally said it. I told him that I thought he was being flirtatious before, not that he legitimately wanted to be tortured, and that I just wasn't the girl for it. I cried during Finding Nemo. I think it's pretty clear that I'm not a harsh person. He called me weak. He said that because I'd seemingly changed my mind, because I was flirty before and didn't want to be torturous now, I was unstable. He told me I was selfish because I wasn't willing to go beyond my comfort zone. He said that multiple times. So many red flags. The thing that still gets to me to this day is the entitlement. The assumption that I'd not only be single, but that I'd be down to do whatever he wanted if I was single. The assumption that because I changed my mind, when really I just realized what he wanted and decided I wasn't for it, that I was crazy and unstable. The assumption that I was weak when I am a goddamn goddess. And the assumption that because he's a man, he can take what he wants when he wants. Toxic masculinity is a bitch. I can't even pinpoint an exact story for when toxic masculinity played a huge role in my life because I feel like I've been constantly surrounded by it. My first interaction with something like this was probably in high school when I had a crush on this guy in 10th grade and tried to always text him or talk to him because, well, I was into him. And at that age, I didn't realize there was a rule to dating. One day, he literally came up to me, no shame, I remember this so vividly, and said, I know you're into me because you're trying really hard, but that's not how you get a guy. He said, and I quote you, treat them like dirt and they'll stick to you by mu- like mud. I was in 10th grade, people. Toxic freaking masculinity. When my ex was dating three girls at the same time, basically pitting us against each other to fight for him. Toxic masculinity. When I matched with a dude on a dating app and he asked me when we we're hooking up, Toxic masculinity. 
when my guy friends have a bro talk and say they never date a girl they had sex with on the first night because that makes her a slut. Again, toxic masculinity. And I think the worst part is that in this social media era, a guy can hide behind a digital screen and boast his male entitlement and say such shitty things to you over DM or like Annika said, dating app messaging. And it just makes you take a step back and be like, whoa, check yourself. And let's be real, feminism isn't man-hating, nor are we. We've been pretty blessed, actually, to have some good men in our lives, especially our dads, because they're the ones who taught us that we can do what we want and that we can do whatever we put our minds to. But what we're talking about is sort of this underlying behavior that Thacy boys sometimes take part in. And if there's a time to change that, it's now. So guys, I hope you're listening. And ladies, maybe this is an episode that you can play for your partner so that we can all finally change a very real problem. And how real is it? The American Psychological Association, or APA, issued their first ever guidelines to treating boys and men. And I quote from the APA website about these guidelines. And how real is it? The American Psychological Association, or APA, issued their first ever guidelines to treating boys and men. And I quote from the APA website about these guidelines. Men commit 90% of homicides in the U.S. and represent 77% of homicide victims. Men are most at risk for being victims of violent crimes. They are 3.5 times more likely than women to die by suicide and their life expectancy is 4.9 years shorter than women. Boys are more likely to be diagnosed with ADD and hyperactivity disorders than women. These guidelines draw on more than 40 years of research showing that traditional masculinity is psychologically harmful and that socializing boys to suppress their emotions cause damage that echoes both inwardly and outwardly. Toxic masculinity or traditional masculinity, according to the APA, defines itself as anti-femininity, achievement, issue of appearance of weakness, and adventure, risk, and violence. The APA said that this was linked to higher rates of suicide, drug abuse, and violence. This is how men are defined in psych, people. They are associated with adventure, risk, and violence. And it's so funny how society gets so upset by anything that goes against this already effed up definition of men. It's just an indicator of how far we want to go. If you need an example, a couple years ago around the Super Bowl, Gillette, yeah, the shaving company, they released a a commercial called We Believe. It played on the company's motto, which is, is this the best a man can get? And it had all these scenes of men reacting in positive ways to bullying, to the Me Too movement, and to aggression. And some people jumped on board about how great it was and how progressive and how timely, whereas others, idiots in my opinion, got offended that Gillette was targeting men to change and started spewing the not all men logic that we hear all the time. Not all men rape, not all men bully, which is 100% true, but it's also on us to make sure that it continues to get better and not worse. Mansplaining at its finest. For those of you who don't know, mansplaining refers to when men talk over women to explain what they actually mean and imply that they know better than the other person in the conversation. It's all a power play and a subtle form of sexism. I actually have this male cousin who continuously has to be right in the conversation. And what irks me about this mansplaining thing that he does is that he'll always try to correct me on the things that I'm a freaking expert at. Like trying to tell me how Instagram's algorithm works. I mean, Do you have multiple accounts to test this or how certain digital marketing trends that I'm talking about are illogical when I literally study these trends for work? I mean, think about it. We all know the uncle that talks over women or the cousin that is always right because women just can't have a logical point. But jokes aside, it also goes way beyond that. South Asian culture just like fosters some toxic imbalances between genders, whether it's female, male, hetero, not. 
and just anyone who's seen as different. I actually read this really crazy, fascinating article on The Diplomat, a newspaper about the Asia-Pacific region, and they highlighted the state in India, Meghalaya, and particularly a city called Shillong. So this area is kind of squished between Bangladesh and Bhutan and is next to Nagaland on a map. And so here, society is actually not patriarchal, which is super weird for South Asia, right? And it's matrilineal or lineages that are descended from a mom. And the women receive property and they run the home and men who marry into the families are actually subject to the rules that women put in place. And it sounds ideal, right? Because obviously women run the world. But the thing is, even here, boys are displaying more and more pent up aggression and younger girls are showing more risk behavior. And the women still don't speak up for themselves when these boys who have pent up rage come at them after marriage as men. And the cycle just keeps continuing. And that just proves that equality between sexes is necessary. It's not a need for women to run society or for men to, but just having like the same privileges and rights offered to both. That goes for anyone who doesn't identify with the gender either. It's all about human rights being equal rights. Discussing toxic masculinity is not saying men are bad or evil. In fact, did you know that toxic masculinity was inspired by this feminist movement that happened way long ago and There was just so much to unpack there that men decided that they wanted to do the same thing as well. Because after the amazing work feminism did to try to find better ways to reach women, men began to notice and apply the same gender construct theories to their own experience. And you have to be able to look at the extremes of these isms, like racism or sexism or feminism, and you have to be able to find the best facets and see what the best way is to move an entire population forward. And toxic masculinity affects men, too. There was this great article by Stephen Jacob on Brown Girl magazine in 2018, and it talked about how because men in South Asian culture are often forced to swallow their feelings, they feel really isolated and really angry and close to a breaking point mentally. And then they're told to just deal with it, or the boys will be boys. And it comes out in some pretty unfortunate ways, like aggression or entitlement. There's an article about rotis and entitlement on India Abroad by Mohammed Hanif. It talks about how males celebrate their ability to make curry or barbecue, but when asked where they get their roti, they either point to someone, usually a woman, in the kitchen making them or a packet, and how that's a sign of entitlement that men can expect in our cultures to be fed fresh food by women. And that men usually blame the dough when their rotis don't come out right, which is a pretty great analogy for how we don't encourage men to take responsibility for their actions and behaviors, and that we blame outward factors a lot. I mean, they're not wrong. Think about your story, Nehal, or mine. Like, the commonality was just that men thought that they deserved something. Sex, or food, or tickling, or whatever it was that they wanted. There was just no patience, or more importantly, earning. It was a given. And... In our societies, I just feel like women are expected to earn their husbands or their jobs or their life through their looks or their behavior or their culture or whatever. And toxic masculinity is just that thinking that being a male entitles you. And if you're a female, it really doesn't matter. We see it in Bollywood all the time. I'd like to think it's getting better, but I'm not completely sure. Kabir Singh recently did really well, but made headlines for the wrong reasons. A remake of the Telugu movie, Arjun Reddy, the movie explores a relationship between a drug-addicted college student and his love, but it's not so simple. He strolls into her class and declares her his. In the first few minutes, a girl asks a guy to stop in the bedroom and he pulls a knife on her. Kabir Singh basically claims that woman as his own and refuses to let her live her life, but it was accepted. It was even hailed as a great love story. And it's super frightening, to me at least, to think that this is normalized. There were actually a few reporters who called it out in their newspapers, and the women got death threats and rape threats, basically confirming exactly what they were saying, that Bollywood has a toxic masculinity problem. And then the director of the original Arjun Reddy movie goes, 
There are films where the hero is holding a bazooka and killing men. Will people start doing that now? The film is essentially entertainment and it's for people above 18 years. Sorry, I'm over 18 years old and I don't see the entertainment in this. And by giving that ridiculous example of if people see guns, will they do that now? The answer is yes, good sir. They probably will. And yes, they will treat women like this because Bollywood is saying it's okay. I mean, did you watch Badrinath Ki Dalanya? He literally stalked her the entire movie. That's crazy. It just blows my mind that we're actually thinking that these are really great stories and really great movies. Maybe not Badrinath, but everything else. Um, and even like the classics, like Kuch Kuch Hota Hai, I love some of these Yash Raj gems, but looking back, there are some serious issues. Think about it. Anjali tries to dress nicely and come to school, thinking that being a so-called girly girl will help her win Rahul. And instead, he not only laughs at her, but then stops speaking to her because she puts herself first and then leaves. She isn't allowed to make a call for herself. Bollywood movie. Kyron Johar was guilty of this in Edil He Mushkil too. I love the soundtrack. Chanda Maria is like one of my favorite songs of all time. But there was a point in the movie where I just wanted to scream at Runbeer's character and be like, dude, she said no. Quit trying. I mean, I understand the pain and the heartbreak all too well. But there has to be a better demonstration of love other than talking partners into it or allowing men to think that masculinity means never giving up and not being respectful of boundaries. It just has to be better. You know, this reminds me of something really funny that I read online that kind of ties in with your Tickle Monster story. Um, so a lot of times when boys are supposed to say no, they're supposed to learn consent at a young age and stuff. And so you know what? At schools, they teach um, men or actually little boys about about consent. They literally tell them, if you want to tickle someone, you have to ask them, hey, do you want to be tickled? And if they say yes, then you can go ahead and tickle them. And that kind of just makes me laugh now because of your Tickle Monster story because I think it was forcing you to tickle him. There was no consent offered in this. This was either you tickle me or you are weak. And that was not okay. So the term itself is conflicting. You have these conservatives saying that toxic masculinity is this attack on manhood, where men already have faced high rates of suicide and drug use, like I mentioned in the APA guideline earlier. Then you have these progressives saying that we need an overall detox of masculinity because that's the only way we're going to get gender equality. And between all this back and forth, these newspapers and magazines are blaming toxic masculinity for rape, shootings, gang violence, climate change, online trolling, and the election of Donald frickin' Trump. Ugh, the pussy grab is (laughs) one of those things that I still read and still cringe about. And honestly, I don't really have much in terms of answers. I don't really think anybody does. But it just sort of comes down to consent and respect and er earning things with patience and understanding boundaries. And South Asian culture just doesn't foster that. We need to do better. And it starts with us as women, but I think it has to have men in the conversation. There's an event here in New York in the famed Jackson Heights, which for those of you who don't know, is basically Little South Asia or Little India, and it's called Chatpati Mela, and it's sponsored by Chaya CDC. And they actually had a group of men who handed out cards and spoke to families and other people about domestic violence, heteropatriarchy, sexism, toxic masculinity, a lot of really uncomfortable topics. And one really poignant thing noted in this article by Asian American Writers Workshop, which we'll link on our site, actually, is that one of the members of this group realize that people are really more receptive when men deliver the message versus when females talk about it. Wait, that's so interesting. Why do you think that is? I think that people respond differently because it's not the group being outraged that's screaming about it. For example, in South Asian culture, if a woman or someone who identifies as a woman is saying, oh, well, all women are getting treated this way or, you know, women are getting treated this way. It just sounds like someone's bitching and moaning about something. Yeah, that's so true. if somebody else delivers it and 
kind of validates it, then people are more receptive, which is kind of sad, but it also just illustrates the point that we need to have men as part of the conversation. This conversation can't just be, okay, all boys are bad or all men are bad because there's toxic masculinity out there. It has to be, okay, toxic masculinity has to start changing because men are trying to do it too. I mean, this goes back to our conversation we had in the anti-blackness episode where South Asians need to realize that there is a problem or you can't get a solution. And so South Asian men and women need to come together and be like, okay, there is a toxic masculinity problem. What can we do to fix it? What are minor steps we can teach to our boyfriends or sons or dads and things like that of what they can change and be better about? There's this cartoon that I saw a few years ago that stuck with me about equality and equity. And it's about somebody who's kind of tall being able to look over a fence. And the person next to him is on a – is very short and also needs to be able to look over the fence. But he's standing on a box. And the point is, is that you need to be able to give the person that's shorter and that has a disadvantage the advantage to be able to see the same things you're seeing or experience the same things you're experiencing. And – Yes, they are. However, (laughs) yes, well spoken. (laughs) However, no, well assessed. But I think it's also really poignant because that's exactly what equity and equality are. Equality is being born with the same privileges, which unfortunately men and women aren't. And anyone who is, you know, doesn't identify as either of those things, they're also at a disadvantage. And giving people the opportunity to have the same privilege is basically what we're aiming for, right? And I think that in order to do that, we need to have the people who have that privilege also speak up and be like, you know what? These people are not getting treated well and they should be. So yeah, it was just super, super interesting to see that um, men were realizing that when they spoke up, people were more receptive. Yes, men need to enter the conversation and be equal partners in it. It can't just be others shouting for rooftop about injustices because the world sees it as whining, but add men to the conversation and lives will change. But as you know, we can't end a TWD episode without offering some advice. So what are some things that men can do right off the bat, even after listening to this episode, to like try and end toxic masculinity? I would say probably start small, eliminate gendered assumptions like, well, you probably don't invest or pay attention to the stock market. Why? Because we're women? You're damn right I pay attention. Drop the boys will be boys idea because it's basically saying that what we expect this behavior from boys, therefore it should be okay. So we need to also stop normalizing violent and abusive behavior. Don't tell girls that if a guy hits you or talks negatively about you, it's a sign he likes you. As a former teacher, for the love of all things holy, please don't tell kids that either. Oh my god, that happened to me so much in high school. It's kind of sad. With all my crushes and things like that, people are like, he likes you. No, he's literally affecting my mental health as a freaking 10-year-old. I don't think he likes me. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. 100% agreed. Stop flaunting your manhood every five minutes. We get it. You don't have a menstrual cycle. You don't have a vagina. You pee standing up. Do you want a freaking cookie? At the end of the day, healthy masculinity is the knowledge that you make choices that will have consequences. And you must stand in the face of these choices if you harm another or yourself, whether it's intended or not. We've talked about this a bit on our men's mental health episode, and the conversation needs to continue for a long time into the future. Men in South Asian cultures need to be supported and encouraged to express their mental health in positive ways so that it doesn't come out as this machismo effort to be manly. And more than that, the definition of masculinity needs to change from being tough and claiming things to learning to earn them. And most of all, I think we just need to learn to work together to start changing this mentality because as we've seen in the news and in Bollywood and within our own friend groups, our lives and safety and health all depend on it. 
So as always, before we end our conversation, we have to do Nihil's favorite section of each episode. It's rapid fire. Yes, rapid fire round. So today we have two questions. The first one is, what is your worst toxic masculinity phrase that you just hate hearing? Man up. What? Why? What does that even mean? Why aren't we womaning up? What defines a man? I have questions. Yeah, we're the one with like a vagina. I hate when people are like, grow some balls. <laughs> I hate that one. But the one that I was- Actually, Betty White, Betty White addressed it in the best way. She was like, why do people say grow some balls? They should say, why don't you grow a vagina? Those things can take a pounding. I love that. That is what I stand for. But the one that I hate is when people say men think about sex every seven seconds. That's a straight up myth. God created human beings as sexual creatures. And to think that men are more into sex could be a case of nature versus nurture. It affects their confidence because if they're not sexual enough, then they have to measure up. And if they're obsessed with sex, then they start to objectify women. Very good point. And I think that's completely true. And it also makes men seem like these sex grades creatures when they probably have more substance to it, too. I don't think it gives men enough credit. But who is a man you look up to as an example of healthy masculinity? Lately, it's been Ayushman Kurana. He's been tackling roles that could be stereotyped, like in Dream Girl, where he pretends to be like a call center person, like call center woman. And he has this really sort of feminine dance. And, you know, it's just really, really amazing. And he just recently gave a speech on being a gentleman and it's been making waves. And I just really support that. I feel like he is someone to really watch out for because I think he's going to be a really positive role model. Mine is actually a character from a TV show that I'm obsessed with, and it's Steve Harrington from Stranger Things. He starts off as, as this, like, jock in season one, and then by the third season, he challenges traditional male gender roles by acting like this mother figure to the other boys in the show. His growth shows that men can be loving and nurturing, all while being brave and heroic. But as a South Asian dude, I really love Ranveer Singh. I think he's killing the healthy masculinity game. I completely agree. I love everything from his fashion to the way that he treats the Big Up Balcon and, you know, just how he conducts himself. It just seems like he's a really, really great guy with a good head on his shoulders. Obviously, this is just a 12 Days of Christmas preview, but if you want us to talk more about this in our societies, how masculinity and femininity are defined by our salaries or genitalia size or intelligent or degrees and how it's all a competition, then by all means, let us know. We'd love to hear your feedback. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram, share our podcast, write us a review, and until tomorrow, get woke, stay woke. This is The Woke Daisy.